Welcome to the Bad Books Club. Today, we are discussing the Dark Shore series by Danielle L. Jensen, and we are specifically covering the first two books in the series, which is Dark Shores and Dark Skies. So the average rating for Dark Shores is 3.96 on Goodreads, and then Dark Skies gives us a 4.26. So a little bit of a difference between the two, Dark Shores being in the threes, Dark Skies being in the fours. And a little snippet of each book's synopsis on Goodreads. They were a little bit long, so I cut them back a little bit this week so you don't have to hear me reading for too long. So for Dark Shores, it says, In a world divided by meddlesome gods and treacherous oceans, only the Marin possesses the knowledge to cross the endless seas. But they have one mandate, East must never meet West, a sailor with a will of iron, a soldier with a secret, a dangerous quest. And then when we jump over to Dark Skies, obviously it is the same themes majorly across the books, but the three big points that they wanted to make in the synopsis are a runaway with a hidden past, a commander in disgrace, and a kingdom under siege. So should we jump right into the reviews? Yes. So I am covering Dark Shores today, and I had a hard time in the one stars because a lot of them were just simply not about the book. It was like personal preference on the fact that they've read other series of hers, and it didn't compare, which for the sake of this podcast, very interesting angle to take. So my one-star review that I found is from someone named Shamina, and they say DNF at 30%. This is nothing like Bridge Kingdom. It's hard to believe it's the same author. Dark Shores is bland and boring, so I'm moving on. Oh my gosh. I know. Okay, I've read Bridge Kingdom, and I read Bridge Kingdom because I loved this series. So that's, that's very interesting. But I pulled a one-star review for Dark Skies. And this review comes from Anastasia. And they say, I don't even know what I read. I read Dark Shores and I absolutely loved it and got this book to read more of the world. I shouldn't have. The first 100 pages or so are about what happened in the first book, only in Lydia's point of view, which was boring. The romance is basically non-existent, so the argument between Lydia and Killian at the end didn't make sense because not once throughout the book did they even consider having feelings for each other. The end, again, doesn't make sense. Like, I wanted to DNF so bad, but I decided I shouldn't in case it gets better. It doesn't. Well, I think it's safe to say the interesting thing about that is these books can be read in tandem. And me and you both have chose chosen reviews that seem to be on the DNF list, but they're the same book with just different POVs. My review I pulled wanted to DNF, but they didn't. And you know how I feel about DNFs, my hot take. I saw this quote once that was like, life is too short to read a bad book. And I, I've only DNF'd a few. It has got to be really bad. So I just want to say for the sake of saying it, I don't think I agree with you, but I get what you mean. I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't put a book down and shut it if it's literally causing you pain. I'm just saying (laughs) don't tear it to shreds on Goodreads if you didn't finish it because who knows, maybe I got better. But I do, I do think, like you said, this is a really interesting conversation because these books are the same story, just in two different points of view. Kind of. Dark Shores obviously follows mm-hmm. Tariana and Marcus, and then Dark Skies follows Lydia's crazy journey after Marcus unalives her, wink, wink, and <laughs> and, and how she meets Killian and going through the mm-hmm. world in the Dark Shores. And I think a big thing that would have helped me is knowing that this could have been tandem 
it, it would have just helped yes. how much I enjoyed reading them. I, I think I disliked Dark Shores a little bit. I got into it, was really liking it, and it kind of the pacing was a little bit off. And when mm -hmm. I got into Dark Skies, I just saw the tick, the uptick in quality, or maybe not quality, but how much I enjoyed it. So I think that knowing mm -hmm. that it could be tandem would really help a lot of these people reading it. Yeah. I think I think I enjoyed Dark Skies more than Dark Shores for the pure fact that the world had already been built. And I think it's pretty rare. I don't know if I've ever read a book where I'm seeing like another point of view happening in the same time in that way. Obviously, if you've read Tower of Dawn and Empire of Storms, it's the same timeline, but it's such different worlds that it's two different books. Whereas like this is quite literally the same world. And so I think that I had a more fun time and a better time reading Dark Skies because I didn't have to think about the setting at all. I was just learning new characters and... Personally, I like these characters a little more than the ones in Dark Shores. Yeah, it's a deeply political story. And I think you really need brain cells to follow the world building. So I can see what you're saying. And once you sort of understood the nuances mm -hmm. of what was happening, Dark Skies got a little bit more enjoyable. For people that have not read or like maybe one or the other or whatever, whatever you're listening to this for, I find it really cool that her fantasy world is a Roman setting because so many are... Definitely not. And it was just, it made my tongue tickle. I was like, oh, I like this because it was so different than anything else I've read in a long time. And it made me have a brain cell because I was like, let me read about Roman mythology really quick. I was Googling if these were like accurate names and places and whatever. So I learned so many words when I was reading these. Her vocabulary is crazy. And I remember in my review, which I gave the book three stars or Dark Shores, three, three stars and Dark Skies, four stars. I started Dark Shores and I really started enjoying it. And I remember thinking, wow, the author does not think that I'm an idiot. The author trusts me to fill in mm -hmm. the gaps of what's happening with her descriptors. And, you know, sometimes I was like, girly, I'm not that smart. <laughs> I was using that Kindle dictionary Every yeah, sentence. this is a really good book to have on Kindle. I think I did the same thing where I was like highlighting words yes. and trying to figure out what everything meant. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yes. I wrote down a quote. I am obsessed with first lines of books. I think they're yeah, so interesting. That's our thing. There's just something, how do you, how do you draw in the reader immediately? Yeah. And how do you, you know, how do you just capture their attention? We should start reading the first line of every book that we, uh, we do. That would be really fun. Well, I have I have Dark Shores here. So Maybe this is where we start. Yeah. So it says, The Quincense launched off the peak of a swell like she dreamed of taking flight. And I was just like there mm -hmm. immediately. I, I knew I was on a boat and it was... Now, do you think it's because you were also literally sitting on a beach in Tybee Island, Georgia with the wind in your hair or was it... The words. Well, I was technically on my couch when I started oh. reading it, but I was getting ready to go to the beach. But that's that's another good point. I did want to point out that we started reading this because I got an ad on my Kindle and we were getting ready to go to the beach together. And we thought, we thought oh, let's read a pirate book. Mm -hmm. And that, in the reviews, is a lot of people's gripe with Dark Shores. Yep. Not enough pirates for being advertised. You know me and you know I freaking love a pirate. And I would have to say that's probably why 
I also gave it a three-star review because I was not expecting what I was reading and it was still really good, but it was just not what I thought a pirate book would be. Yeah, I agree. The one gripe that I had in my review and in my thoughts after reading Dark Shores was that the pacing was a little bit off. And while I loved the writing, like I said, I kind of just felt like it was a little all over the place. And speaking of pirates and the journey. I, I wanted more out of Marcus and crew and Tariana getting on the boat and trekking across lands to get to the dark shores. I felt like they kind of breezed through that really treacherous journey and it was really well written and I was enjoying it so much. I just was left wanting, I don't know, maybe a little bit more to happen during that journey. Yeah, I agree because when you, again, like this book to me is Roman mythology. It's nothing to do with Well, it's not nothing to do with pirates, but it's like 5% pirates. I think it was a cop-out plot for Marcus and his team. Obviously, they're the best. But I thought it was a cop-out to be like, well, they're the best. Therefore, they are just adapting to sea life. I think that it should have been a little more Tariana's element to be on the waters and be like bad bitch in charge. Even though she was captive, it's still her element. And I, I think I thought the same thing. Like I agree with you in the sense of, I wish there had been a little bit more because it just seemed too easy. And I thought too, once they landed in the dark shores, they're where they're going. The story really slowed down yeah. and it kind of lets you get to know the characters a little bit. They got to get to know each other a little bit, but it felt like it lingered too much. And then you get to be about three quarters of the way through the book. I remember like looking at all my highlights and right around 75%, it just sped up and Again, I was left wanting a little bit more. I think it could have arguably been another 200 pages in length, and I would not have thought anything of it. I would have read through it and probably enjoyed every second. But yeah, I think that the pacing was just a little bit off throughout. Maybe things could have been spread out or shortened, depending on what it was. But again, I I enjoyed it at the end of the day because I wanted to keep going. I knew every time I finished one of these books, I was like, I think this is just going to get better and better. And it did. Yeah. I I think for me, my, my biggest thing about why I didn't like Dark Shores was simply because I did not like Tariana. And I think it's probably because I don't relate to her. I felt like she was just like a whiny crybaby. I get it. You're being tortured. I get it. Your mom's in jail. I get it. Blah, blah, blah. But like she was crying all the time. Not in like a, I'm a powerful pirate, badass, baddie way. She was just like, what am I going to do? Like it was just, she, and to be fair to Tariana, she's 16, 17 or whatever she is. And she seemed a lot younger than that because I remember being confused when Marcus's age came around. Cause like, wait, how old is he? And he's only three years older than her. And I also get that Marcus is supposed to be baddie of the, of the Legion. You know, he's the toughest guy ever, but the age gap is so close together on paper, but in personality, it's so far away that I was like, am I supposed to be into this? You know? So that was my biggest gripe, I think. I think it's on the verge of being young adult. There's a little spice, but nothing a young adult reader couldn't handle, I guess. But yeah, I I definitely can see that too. They didn't really seem matched in maturity. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not someone that's ever going to read a book based on spice level. That's like pretty new to me as of 2023. I 
genuinely don't care. And I found it interesting that the gore of this book and the politics of this book were so adult, but it's so borderline YA because there's no spice. I've never in my life thought to myself, wow, I wish there was spice in this because of the rest of the world being so horrible and bad. God, can't we just get it in? Like, damn. Okay. (laughs) You almost want just something good to happen. Where's the kissing? (laughs) Like, like, gosh, why are we suffering now? I don't want to suffer along with these characters. It's almost like you're begging for a romance. It's not a kissing book. It's so, yeah, I I think there's a lot of characters too. Mm -hmm. And as you go through the story, you can kind of see the parallels between, you know, you're following Ariana and Marcus and you're following Lydia and Killian. And how, how are those two couples kind of taking the same path in like two very different settings. I just think that there's there's a lot of male ego suffering too. I, it's really weird because I feel like this is a boy book. Like this is boy fantasy, I feel like. Yeah. But it's like, I think it's really for more masculine girlies in that sense because it's not a boy book, but like it could be. And I, I don't know. It was really weird to me because Dark Shores is the first one you're supposed to read. And I feel like... Tariana and Marcus were like written. Whereas when you get to Dark Skies, all of the mystery from book one was in that book. And I was like, I don't know, maybe she just knew she was going to write a series. So she left things out to keep readers intrigued. But for me, that's kind of what put me off because I spent the whole book not giving two shits about Tariana because I was like, what happened to Lydia? Because they leave it so open-ended that it wasn't satisfying as like a answer. And the same thing with the gods. And I knew personally it was a series, so it was going to continue on. But imagine reading this and not knowing that. I understand why people were DNFing at 30% because they were like, what am I reading? Yeah. And I think that that just is another point in the column of tandem reading this because you find out you're reading Dark Shores. You think Marcus is keeping this terrible secret because he killed Tariana's best friend. And And Marcus at that point doesn't know that Tariana and Lydia are friends. So as a reader, we know more than the characters do. So it's just kind of like this painful suffering that you're doing, knowing more than both Marcus and Tariana. But if you are to tandem read it, you know immediately Lydia's not dead. Lydia's just on the adventure of a lifetime. This is why we need more kissing. (laughs) I think that another reason you could have liked Lydia's story a little bit more is it might be a little bit more high stakes because you think... Tariana and Marcus, Tariana has made the journey to the Dark Shores before. That's why they're they're bringing her. They, she's the expert in the situation. Whereas Lydia is in this uncharted territory of going to this world where the gods are more focused on because you have the, the marked ones. And I have a quote here from Dark Skies, just about 16% in, so super early in the book, where it says... The strength of his mark came from the gods. The strength of the gods came from the faith of the people. The faith of the people depended on their belief that the marked were what stood between them and the corrupter. And you're just kind of like, there's so many layers and ripples to that. It just automatically seems more high stakes. And I think that as I read through these books, I was like, I need something really bad to be looming. I need high stakes. That makes me think of the fact that Tariana is tortured. And I've read enough fantasies to be like, girl, that was not torture. Please stop. But (laughs) she carries that like with her through the rest of the book. And 
it's interesting because you're saying like Tariana has traveled the world and she's done all these things and she's seen all these things. And that's the worst thing that's happened to her. Whereas like Lydia has been pampered her whole life and she like rises up to the occasion. And I can relate to Lydia 10 times more because if I was thrown into a different world and landed in a river without my glasses, the first thing I would do is okay, what can I do to improve my vision? How am I going to survive? There would be no thought of, he trapped my family. Like, I just felt like Tariana was so whiny. I just hated that. I hated that. So I think you're right about the fact that Tariana saw the world and Lydia is somehow more relatable. The relationships between the two couples are very interesting too, because Marcus is this tortured soul, always thinking back to what happened in this battle where he did bad things and also probably just dwelling on the fact that he was forced to kill because it's basically like kill or be killed. And Killian is facing these duties of the gods where he feels it's like chosen one. And how does he navigate that when this girl lands in his world? And I I think I kind of like the relationship between Killian and Lydia a little bit more because it's, it's like high stakes. And then you have Malahi and you have her dynamic and it's like, Oh, but he needs to be with her. And it, but this, this random girl going to laugh right now because I was like, who, who are you talking about? And then I realized that in my head, I said Malahi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it could be that. I said Malahi. I have no idea. (laughs) Malahi, which just sounds like a weird fish in the sea. So maybe I'm probably wrong. I agree because Killian and Lydia, they bantered. That that was like the kissing of the book that we missed in, in Dark Shores. Tarion and Marcus had this tension, but it wasn't like fun. Everything was just so depressing all of the time. And I think there's a place for that in those types of characters, but don't make it the whole time because then it's just boring. But Kitty, Kitty, <laughs> Lydia and Killian were like, saving the world but they were also like you take the sword no you take the sword and it was like funny because they like made it out in the end but you're like damn shut up for five minutes and just do what you gotta do you're stressing me out the only character that i've ever read that had glasses was literally harry potter and every single time that man's glasses broke in the story here's my wand they're fixed I don't have to freaking worry about not being able to see when I'm being hunted by villains. Lydia and her stupid spectacles. I was more stressed out about her losing her glasses. I could have chalked it up. I could have been like, cool, whatever. She's got glasses. If it had been mentioned one time, but it was every the page we're running. Where are my glasses? We're in the dark. Are my glasses going to get crunched? Girl, I don't know. But now I have hives thinking about this because I also wear glasses. If I got kidnapped, I often am like, What if I have my contacts in? What if I have my glasses and they fall off and I'm blind and trapped? Worst nightmare. Natural selection came for me and Lydia, apparently. I don't wear glasses, never have needed them, luckily. But also, I think that the author wrote that in to be relatable because there's a lot of people out there who think like you do. Like, what happens if I (laughs) touch a crystal stem and end up on the other side of the world and I don't have my glasses. And I know I remember texting you or you texting me while you were reading this and you were super stressed out about the spectacles. And I had already finished. So I had a little bit of hindsight in the fact that they do explain the fact that she can't fix her vision because that's not part of the magic. 
And you were like, that's dumb. I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. That would have been your one-star review. Yeah. <laughs> if you had hated the book. That'd be what you wrote. Lydia needs to be able to fix her eyeballs. But I think that's, I think it's just relatable and mm-hmm. it's humanizing and you can put yourself in her shoes that way. And whether you liked it or not, I think that your literal stress response about it says a lot about the way that Danielle Jensen can put people into the story. Yeah. I was panting. There was one scene and I... I don't think it was explained for like a while and I couldn't remember the scene off the top of my head, but I do know that she put her spectacles in her pocket and then it was chapters. That's all I was thinking about. I was like, did she take them out? Did they get crunched? And then it's like chapters later, Killian is the one that's like, hey, are your glasses okay? And she goes, oh yeah. And I'm like, girl, don't even play with me right now that you were not also padding your pocket the whole time you were on the run, making sure they were not cracked. What do you mean? So stressed out about the damn spectacles. I don't know. I'm glad she flat out wrote into the story that the magic can't fix the mm-hmm. vision because otherwise it would have just been a, a plot hole. So yeah. she was thinking about it. Yeah. But I wrote down so many quotes, especially from Dark Shores, not so much from Dark Skies. I only wrote down one from Dark Skies that I already read, but I wrote so many down from Dark Shores just because the writing just tickled my brain Yeah, and I loved it. And I did want to share a couple of them. Uh, One of the ones that I wrote down 17% through Dark Shores is Tariana had placed her secrets in a wicker basket rather than the steel box they deserved. Good. Like, yeah, you can't tell me that's bad. That's good. That just, some authors would just be like, Tariana shouldn't have shared her secrets. And this this sentence just gave me a visual. Like in my head, I just see this figurative words swirling around in this basket where they're flowing out instead of being clamped up in a steel box. It's so good. And I love the writing there. I've got a quote that is the direct opposite of what you were just explaining. And I'm going to offer no explanation. I'm just going to read the quote. Okay. What book's it from? <laughs> Dark Shores. 76% in. No, Marcus answered, shaking his head and grinning. Rat bastard got away. <laughs> I was just looking through my highlights and you're like saying all these beautiful things and all I see is rat bastard. I'm like, this is what I'm highlighting. (laughs) But I will argue too with these people that are DNFing and being like, oh, Dark Shores wasn't that good. I'm not going to keep going. I think the same thing about series that I think about individual books that you should keep giving it a chance. And sometimes I don't deserve the chance, but maybe you should try because I think this book gets, or the story, the series gets so much better each book that you read. And the banter that comes in the book after this is literally some of my favorite shit ever. I, I just love, I love the way they talk to each other because it's, it's kind of more relatable, kind of like what people got in fourth wing and hated in fourth wing, but it's not so severe, you know, but it's yeah. Rat bastard is one of my favorite insults. <laughs> and that is just incredible. <laughs> I love a rat bastard. <laughs> Me too. But I'll take it back to the more beautiful quotes. I'll go again. I remember highlighting this and I think my note on it was love this all caps. But this is 39% of the way through Dark Shores. And it says, you sell believe everything has an explanation, but that's not the case. Some things just are. Zinthier, this current, and what you've seen is only the beginning, Marcus. It's time for you to let go of the lies Mother Empire has whispered in your ear and start seeing the world for what it really is. And what is that? Inexplicable. Limitless. Her gaze went back to the ocean. Divine. 
Like, (laughs) no, seriously, it's so good. Danielle Jensen has a way with some of these blurbs. And, you know, every book has the highly quoted blurb. Hers are so good. There's some in the Bridge Kingdom series that just like make me weep. And I think coming from somebody who loves to travel and to see the world and to see things that aren't, you know, within... 10 miles of my front door. This just makes me feel, you know, sometimes you got to be forced, especially with Lydia, you got to be forced to see the world because you're trapped. It's funny comparing Lydia and Tariana because Tariana was born into a world of adventure and she almost just, I think this is just like a trope that anyone would write, but like the person born into one world craves another and then vice versa. I don't think Lydia ever would have left her her shores, essentially, if, you know, all these bad things hadn't happened. And Tariana is going all over the world, but the only place she wanted to go back home to was Lydia as her best friend. And I found that to be just like a really interesting thing to be, to have in this book, comparing the two characters. And, you know, I think you and I both read a book, we're always looking for pieces of ourselves in it. So when she's mentioning like, life is limitless, look out into the ocean, you can't help but think of those exact things. Am I making the right decisions in life? Am I staying somewhere because I'm safe and comfortable? Or am I born into this opportunity to kind of go see the world and I'm just taking it for granted? So I think that even though this is a fantasy novel, it opens up questions about like your own life. And I love love when a fantasy novel becomes real life to me. Yeah. You can definitely look past the world jumping and supernatural travel and think to yourself, wow, I was born as Tariana or I was born as Lydia and I would love to see the world through their eyes or kind of see, you know, how they are as friends too. I think they can inspire each other to want to do other things. And they're sort of robbed of that opportunity because of the way that the politics kind of work out. You know, the the cell want to, this is so real life. They want to invade and take over and reap the benefits of a land that's not their own. Something I loved, loved about this book was that obviously when you're reading it, you're like, oh, this is Roman mythology. Oh, this is comparing... Western conquerorism to what's happening, da 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 da. But I love the fact, I can't think of the word. I love the fact that they flat out called religion paganism. And I loved that because in modern day Christianity, almost every single thing that we have is from paganism. It was stolen from like world travelers and people that were conquering the world. And I just thought it was a really smart way of using a real life example in a fake setting. And I actually wrote a note here and I was really talking about the politics, but I guess this is just kind of in general now. It goes hand in hand. Yeah. The brain cells that it takes to create a political system in a book that works is so hard, regardless of whether you like the book, the style, whatever. I've read so many books where the political system is either a drag or I'm like, I don't get this. And I live in a world where the political system, I also don't understand every day of my life. I love it when I'm in a novel and I'm like, oh yeah, this is very clearly the bad guy. And this is very clearly what should be the bad guy, but it's not. And now I'm rooting for them. And I just loved how well she did that. I thought it was so good. And it's interesting too, because what should be the good, the not threatening side of the politics has its own bad. And you can, you can, no matter what you believe, 
you could put yourself in that, you know, other things that other people believe you could view as, as totally bad, even when maybe they're not. So yeah, I, I think it's it's so interesting that they have this these gods that, you know, mark humans and help them by giving them gifts to help the greater good, but they've got this corrupter who is trying to basically ruin all of that. And then you've also got the humans using this good for not good things. And it's it's just a very interesting dynamic and so complicated. And it's it is hard to understand it sometimes. And I, I can understand if somebody couldn't quite grasp this. We know how I feel about not paying attention to the world building until you have to. Honestly, this is one of those books where you kind of have to turn your brain on, use your brain. It's a brain yeah. book. Which I feel like in this day and age, popular books I think that you could find this on the internet if you wanted to. A lot of people think that books are now quote unquote fast fashion. They're written to be produced on a mass scale. And a lot of people say like books aren't written the same anymore. And I think I think I could agree with that. So I think that really the bar is low when you find a book like this and you're like, oh, this is good. And it's really not that special, especially for a fantasy novel. It ticks all the boxes, but it was just, it was just so good in whatever your want is, whether that's politics, romance, slow burn. Like, I think, I think that there is something in this book for everybody. Friendship, like you name it. I think it's in there. And I just, I thought that was so good because of that. Even though I gave it a three star. No, I, and I don't think I also gave the first one a three star second four. Like I said, I don't think a three star is a bad book. I think it's just, it's a good story that I was interested in that I saw room for improvement and Again, it's a, it's an opinion. There are plenty of people who gave this five star and there were a handful of people who gave them one. And I know another point of pain, I guess, for some readers, especially in that first book or specifically in that first book was Tariana's betrayal to her people. And they almost couldn't get past that for the reasons that I respect. But I think that they kind of don't get the full story if you don't finish the book. I have a quote here from 91% through Dark Shores that says, I'm a quote girly, if you can't tell. I actually just pulled some up because I read one that made me think of where you're going with this. Yeah. It says, each man seemed to rally under his attention and it made her think about what it took to earn that sort of respect and that he jeopardized it for her, just as she jeopardized the fate of the West for him. The exact quote that I was going to read. Yeah, you pulled the same one. Yep. Tariana jeopardizes the fate of her people, which is traitorous to her people. Yes. Like you could put that out there, say that, but would you not do the same thing to save your own life? Because it's, it's do this or die. And I think she was also protecting her crew, her family, her mother, everyone on the Quincens by doing what she did, because I think she saw some sort of light at the end of the tunnel that told her, Hey, I am willing to deal with the repercussions of jeopardizing the fate of my people to save my family. And it's the same analogy of if you could switch the track of a train and save your, your mom or save a whole train full of children, what would you do? It's morality. It's, you can't, Mm -hmm. you can't give a definitive answer for everybody that blankets. That's, that's the question, like the psychology, the psychology question of do you sacrifice the one to save the many? And I I feel like I think about that quite a lot, which is so weird to say, but I feel like I'm someone who absorbs, I guess, entertainment where that's, 
I love a morally gray character and I love getting into why this character should be good, but they're bad or whatever. And you're like saying like Teriana is a traitor to her people. And I don't know if I agree because of the fact that even into farther into the story, she's sleeping in this man's bed and she's calling him beautiful, but she's still sneaking letters away. I don't think at any point she's trading in her people ever. And that's why you shouldn't DNF a damn book before you have those opinions. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally agree. It kind of makes you think, what are you cheering for as the reader? Are you cheering for politics and Tariana helping save her people at the end of the day? Or are you cheering for the kissing? And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm not going to lie. I am no good. If a man with muscles like Marcus and blue eyes walked into my life and was like, let's go to war, baby, I'd say, okay. Tell me when. Set me up. I also quote girly back again. So soon. I told you I wrote a lot down. But there was a quote about being morally gray that I highlighted because morally gray themes are in almost every book that we read, even if it's not fantasy. <laughs> I mean, um, is 72% of the way through Dark Shores. And it says... It was all shades of gray, moral justification for immoral ends, a good man pushed to the role of a villain, not just for the sake of his own survival, but for that of his men. And I think that also goes with Tariana's story. It's moral justification for immoral ends, like even immoral justification for moral ends. I think I said this in our Hooked episode about, I think what bothers people about morally gray characters is it forces you to look within yourself and ask yourself questions that maybe you don't think about or don't want to think about. And I feel like so many people sit on a high horse and live in a glass house and act like they are holier than thou and they're better than everybody. And I think the kind of people that I want in my life are the ones that could straight up be in a conversation and be like, no, I'm absolutely taking out that crowd of people to save this many. It sounds so fucked up, but like who's that's that's who's going to save the world is people that are willing to do whatever it takes for the greater good. And so many people in real life do not have that gene, that ability, that thought process. And I've I've always kind of been like, "Oh my gosh, am I a bad person?" And I think that's why I like getting into fantasy so hard. I love a freaking villain so hardcore because they're a lot of times they're not really villains. You can understand them. It just makes me my mouth water. Like I'm like, yes, make a bad decision for the greater good, baby. I love that. And I've quite literally read 15,000 quotes, but I do have. (laughs) (laughs) She's got one more, everybody. Well, I've got more than one more, but I promise this is the last one. I could be, this could be plagiarism at this point because I keep quoting this book, but it's just so good. And I think there's so many talking points about it. Dark Shores, again, 65% through. Marcus understood people, understood their fears, their desires, their motivations, how to get them to do what he wanted, how to give them what they wanted. And it's just like, yes, he's the villain in a lot of people's stories, but he's also like, I don't know, he can swindle. You cannot tell me, and this is, I'm going to expose myself here. I'm a master manipulator. If I'm in a situation, I'm not kidding you. Like this is work. Any situation that I'm in, I'm always looking for the exit signs. You know, like I'm like, okay, this is where I'm going to escape here. This is where I'm going to escape there. I'm always looking how to get myself out of a situation if I need to. I don't think it makes you a bad person. I think it makes you smart. And I think it makes you powerful. Marcus is the most powerful guy in the room because not only can he physically kill you, but he's mentally 10 steps ahead of you. And that is someone that you want to be your friend and not your enemy. And so it begs the question of if Marcus was a real life person, would you be friends with him because he's the 
the bad guy. Nobody wants to hang out with Marcus. Or are you going to be on the side that's like, Marcus is stupid and this, that, and the other, while actually secretly kind of being jealous of him because he's got everything and he can get everything. I mean, that's why they, that's why they box him in because he's got the power. He just has to realize it. It's the reason he's in the role that he's in, in his job, in the book. I think that's why I like Marcus so much. I, I have a note about that where I dick, I really could care less about Tariana in the first book, but I always just liked Marcus. And I think it's, I think it's because of his personality, especially like going back to that quote, that's such a good quote from him because the, the word that sums up Marcus is power. And it makes you angry when someone takes it from him because he's still holding on to it. He's just knowing when to pick his battles and when to, you know, cause a scene. So I just like love that about him. And the big thing that we haven't even brought up about Marcus is that he is where he is because he switched places with his brother. And he's got this affliction, this sickness that is supposed to to kill him dead. And that's the reason they wanted to protect the younger brother because he was the favorite. And it's Killian, but opposite. It's chosen one in a bad way. And, you know, they, they, they protected the brother so that he didn't have to go off to war and die. And they didn't think that Marcus would be this great warrior. They just wanted to send him to die to protect having a child. The only other thing that I know we haven't really discussed that I did want to bring up before we jump into songs is when Lydia arrives on the dark shores, she is marked. And it's so interesting to see her kind of navigate that. And the fact that she's marked as a healer is especially interesting because the healers are so... I don't protected's not the right word, but like guarded and kept and controlled, I guess, to do what they need to do to protect against this blight. It's interesting that that's that's the route that her story takes. Yeah, which I think is why when you get onto the third book, the cliffhanger hurts so bad because all the agony of the first two books and that third book is wrapped up and then you're like, now what? And there's no end in sight. That was a true cliffhanger. The projection of, so you get these first two books, if you have read the first two, or you're going to read the first two based on this conversation, the third technical book is a novella. I think it's book 0.5. So it's, you can read, honestly, the crazy thing about it is that you can read the first three, including the novella in any order and actual book three, book four, if you want to look at it that way, is the book you need to read after. So you can read the um, Tarnished Empire novella first or third. Which is so good. <laughs> yeah. And I, I sincerely loved the novella. It's so good. And and you just, every book you're like, new characters, what is happening? I don't want to learn any more people. But it all does come together in that final full novel. But there is one more coming out in October. Yep. I think. Yep. October something. Late October. But I'm really, I'm really looking forward to the wrapping up of the story because it will be, I believe it's the final book in the in the series. I did find myself craving to be in the book. Like I was sad when it was over. And I I definitely had a moment of whiplash. I was like, damn, what am I supposed to do now? And I didn't think I would feel that way when I first started it. So and we'll definitely discuss the novella and the third official novel at a later episode, probably a little bit closer to when the final book comes out so that we're refreshed and you guys are refreshed. But again, these books just got better and better every single time. And I was screaming. I thought they were really great. Yep. I I, I concur. So would you keep your uh, 
three-star view, three-star review in hindsight? I think so. I think when I wrote it down, I reviewed it before I believed in the half star. I don't think, I don't believe in half stars anymore. Hot take. I don't believe in a half star either. Just give it, just give it what you want with your chest. So I originally gave it a three and a half, but obviously the official rating is a three star because, well, I think, I think I hate the half star because people are like, I gave it 3.92 and I'm like, where's your justification? What do you mean? But I digress. Or they'll give it a 3.5 and then rate it four stars. And I'm like, you realize you are upping the average rating by doing that when you're in fact not rating it that high. So math, whatever. But I will I will definitely keep the first book at three stars, second book at four, because the second book, in my opinion, improved greatly on Dark Shores. I liked the characters. I enjoyed the high stakes a little bit more. The pacing was overall better. And it really made me want to keep going. And when I got into the the novella and I was like, more new people, I was flabbergasted. Yeah. I also gave Dark Skies a four and I gave Dark Shores a three. So I was on the same rating skills you were. All right, girlies, we have reached the time in the podcast that is my favorite. It's where we make your playlist. This week, I'm going to go first, and I kind of thought I was going to have a hard time with this book because I was like, I didn't really like it, didn't really not like it. It was weird. So my first song, this is like an immediate, I opened my playlist and this song popped out and I was like, absolutely yes. The first song I have is Pompeii by Bastille, which is one of my favorite songs in the entire world. The lyric I chose was, how am I going to be an optimist about this? And then I wrote, so Marcus. It's so true because like, that's so good. Yeah. Like, oh, it gives me chills. And I, and there was another uh, Bastille song and I saved that one as well. That was very Marcus. I kind of wanted to keep it boppy with this choice. My second song might be a hot take, but I chose Ocean Eyes by Billie Eilish. Especially for the lyric, can't stop staring at those ocean eyes, burning cities and not napalm skies. I can't say that word. That's too hard. But basically, it's just about like this guy's burning the world. She just can't stop looking at his blue eyes, which is so Tariana to Marcus. And that's really interesting because that's how they describe Tariana's eyes. And that was one of my favorite parts about her descriptors is that her eyes changed based on her mood. Yeah, Marcus also couldn't stop staring at Tariana's eyes. Like that was a thing between them. Like I feel like every time she was staring at Marcus, it was always his eyes and then like vice versa. He couldn't handle her eyes turning dark. And then my last song is so freaking funny. And there was no way that I could not choose this song. And I said, I'm sorry, but we just needed a sea shanty. And it is literally Wellerman by Nathan Evans because we have to have a sea shanty about the pirates. So that is my third and final choice. (laughs) Well, I'm so happy that we did not double dip. Uh, I have three completely different songs that I have chosen. So I kind of went a song about the girls together and then a song about each of the men. So first song I have is Real Friends by Camila Cabello. And lyric is, I thought I could trust you, never mind. And I don't know if we really got into this, but Tariana spends the entire time thinking that Lydia has betrayed her. And that's the reason why she gets shipped off to the Dark Shores. And it's just really interesting because they have this beautiful friendship where... They were just two girls that 
loved each other and loved their friendship and who grew up totally differently, but could relate on some level. And it just ends in supposed betrayal. And I, I just thought I wanted a friend breakup kind of song, even though Lydia has no idea that that's going on. And Tariana does, but Tariana has no idea she's supposedly dead, but she's not. And I'm very interested in, in that unfolding. The second song that I chose is Little Lion Man by Mumford and Sons. Good one. This is my Killian song. Weep for yourself, my man. You'll never be what's in your heart. And it's so... Oh, that's good. Self-deprecating. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And I wrote down chosen one angst. He was forced into this role and he's just angsty about living up to it. And I just thought that was perfect. And it's it's also a bop, but it's broody. Yeah. My third song is A Troubled Mind by Noah Kahn. And this is my Marcus song. And it says, I worry I'll die young while I worry I'll grow old. Oh, I worry for the time I spent worrying alone. It makes me sad. It takes me back. I break in half. And I just think that Marcus is the most anxious, like, worry wart Ever. He thinks about everything that he's ever done. He thinks about everything that he will do. He has anxiety and angst on his past and how it affects his future. And I just think that that just relates back to his troubled mind. So those were my those were my three. I feel like our, our little playlist actually kind of goes well together. Yeah. Little Lion Man and Pompeii, I think, go well together. Yeah. Hand in hand. Oh, man. I mean, I haven't, I haven't thought about... Uh that song in a long time. I'm going to have to listen to that after this. I, I used to say that that band made me feel like I was riding on horses like into battle. So I think it really fits fantasy novels. Let us know if you would start the Dark Shores series based on today's discussions, or if you have read them, share your review with us on TikTok at The Bad Books Club and Instagram at The Bad Books Club Pod. Follow us while you're there and let us know what books we should discuss next. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday when we discuss Outlander. Be good, girlies. Bye.